Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. On Highways Voices today, we discuss why our great industry isn't that great at telling everyone else how great it is. I think it's important that we are valued as an industry for the good that we do and not just recognised for the problems that can occur on our networks. For me, the real importance is how do we get the public on side to become part of the solution? A marketing masterclass today, but you don't need a slick PR campaign to know you need to listen to this week's Highways Voices, just half an hour of your time. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. One of the industry's marketing and PR leaders, Helen Blood, joins us on Highways Voices today to talk about getting the right message across. But first, another person who knows how to write about the industry, it's Highways News co-owner Adrian Tatum. And Adrian, What's caught your eye on the midday briefings this last week? Well, it's definitely been a week of active travel stories so far, Paul. Surrey County Council has started consultation on its Transport Plan 4, which of course includes active travel at the heart of it. Plans there include the reduction of carbon emissions by 46% over the next two to three years. Elsewhere, West Yorkshire's Combined Authority City Connect programme has seen a combined total of more than 5 million trips by bike counted on its pedestrian and walking routes across the region, the authority has reported. And the city and councils in Leicester and Leicestershire have linked up with the Department of Transport to offer residents the chance to try getting around on electric bikes. And in other news, Highways England has started the search for a contract for its largest maintenance area in the UK, Area 9, as HE also announces the acceleration of several more road projects under Project Speed, according to its project director, David Hames. Meanwhile, I like the story about the use of existing data to create in-car mirrors of variable message signs and the fact that we could use that technology to place key messages in vehicle without the expense of putting physical VMS up. We've got comments from the Roads Minister about convincing people about smart motorway safety, which is pretty pertinent to our chat with Helen in a moment, and more news about TfL's revenue shortfall and what that could mean for the capital's transport projects. Don't forget, you get all the news when it happens on highways-news.com and if you sign up every day at midday with our email briefing of all the stories that matter in the highways and transport technology industries so you just sign up on our website highways voices with paul hutton and adrian tatum Now, one of the reasons Adrian and I set up Highways News was to create one place where we can share all the news about the great things our industry is doing. But we're a business-to-business site, and that news is therefore rarely seen by the travelling public. Does that matter? Should we tell them more about what we're up to? And if we want to, how do we do it? I caught up with Helen Blood, who's just set up Boundary Marketing and PR, and asked her if it matters or not. I do think it is important, and I think it's important that we are valued as an industry for the good that we do and not just recognised for the problems that can occur on our networks. For me, the real importance is how do we get the public on side to become part of the solution rather than part of the problem? 
You've reminded me of a time that I was driving with a friend of mine who is quite well known as being a, a real rail anorak. He's travelled to every single railway station in the UK. He's held the world record for going around the tube network quicker than anybody else. And we were driving and he asked me where the information came from for my sat-nav and I explained various ways and one is I pointed out the loops every 500 yards on the uh, motorway and he thought that was the most amazing groundbreaking technology and was tweeting about it going wow did you know that they've got these loops on the road that monitor the speed of uh, of traffic and this is ancient technology in our industry why hasn't the industry ever thought of actually engaging with the public? Why has the industry been so poor at telling what it does well? Dare I mention smart motorways at this point? I think that unfortunately we've had far too many examples of where the media has picked up when things don't appear to be as intelligent and as user-friendly and as beneficial to the public as maybe they actually are. So we're always picked up on, like I said earlier, things that go wrong. That makes the industry very reticent to actually start to communicate the good work that they do. Because speaking to a number of local authorities on this over the years, they all say the same, that they try and communicate, they try and share the information and try and explain to people why something's happening where and why they're using a particular technology or why maybe they're refurbishing the traffic lights, for example, because they want to bring them up to date. They want to put new detection in maybe that actually will make that junction work more smoothly for the, the people using it and traveling through it. And people actually don't want to know. They, they don't care. They just care about, can I get from A to B as quickly as possible? And that's it. And it was quite interesting on, on the recent discussion, live debate that, that we had with Professor David Metz on board and him talking about, you know, actually the amount of time we spend traveling hasn't changed very much in, in don't know how many years, but, you know, we are traveling a lot further in that hour than, than we were before. And all I think that the public want is to kind of understand sort of how it impacts them. But I do think that we've shied away over the years of sharing information around the technology and then Chinese whispers start don't they so I'll tell you what if I flash my lights at this traffic signal junction it will turn green quicker I mean we've all heard that one haven't we and oh it doesn't matter if I drive at 77 miles an hour on the motorway because uh, speed cameras are set at you know at a speed limit plus 10 percent for example so you know they create their own answers because we've not necessarily provided the, the right information to them. So although I think I understand why we've shied away from it historically, I do think that we need to aim to try and inform people more about what is happening and, and, and what we're doing. And we aren't going to get it right every time. But I think we do need to, you know, to communicate more. You remind me of when I worked as a radio journalist, because when you're broadcasting, you have to choose the stories that the people see or hear. Whereas if you're writing for a newspaper or a magazine or a website, the reader themselves can choose which of the articles they choose to read. And so we were always told when we wrote any sort of news story, does it pass the so what test? If it doesn't pass the so what test, you either have to go, actually, this story is pointless. I don't know why we're going to include it. 
or rewrite it to make it pass the so what test. And that kind of came back to me when you were saying about trying to tell the public and the public don't care. I guess this is where we have to make them care. Yeah, and, and we do have to answer that's that so what, don't we? But human nature means that the first thing people think is what's in it for me? You know, how does it impact me? And, and we're not that good at, as an industry. We're very inconsistent, I would say, actually. Maybe saying we're not that good isn't the right, the right way to put it, but we are inconsistent as an industry in the information that we provide. And it varies depending on the local authority, the transport authority, uh, the contractor that's involved. And, you know, I've got a scenario, like, actually not far from where I live, uh, now and it's a it's a route that I take so I take a particular route every Wednesday evening to take my daughter to netball there's a new announcement if you like there's a road sign you know temporary road sign there that says from such and such date for 24 weeks there's going to be traffic jam here and I'm looking at it thinking what are they doing here and I'm in the industry and I'm looking thinking what are they doing here that's going to take 24 weeks and it's going to cause a problem which is a route that's already problematic if I'm honest um, certainly it used to be when we used to have the more traditional peak times um, but there's nothing else around there to explain to me as somebody that passes through what on earth is going on and why that's happening uh, and I spoke to a few other people that are local who again they don't live in the direct vicinity but they use it as a part of it's basically it's a main route to hit the M5 so the motorway island you know this this road leads up to the motorway island and yet there's no other information there to inform anybody about why there's going to be problems you know, in delays for the next 24 weeks. And speaking to a few other people locally and saying, oh, do you, you do use that route very often? And if you notice the sign, yeah, what is going on? I don't understand it. 24 weeks. What can they do there for 24 weeks? Um, and, and, you know, you just think, oh, could we not have just put a variable message sign, for example, you know, at the beginning of that and just had something that says whatever it is that's, that's happening and, and I'm sure that people in the vicinity would have received a, a letter drop. There may even have been some community hub discussions. But the fact is, that is a main route that leads, like I say, to the M5. And so there are going to be people who are not local who use that route on a regular basis. And there's nothing there to help them to understand, you know, what is going on and why their journey is going to take them you know, longer um, for the next 24 weeks. And, and that I find really frustrating and, and disappointing because... We can do better than that. And that is what matters to people. It matters that I'm going to have to leave my house earlier to get to where I want to get to. I'm going to have to take an alternative route to get to where I want to. Or I've got no choice and I'm going to have to sit in that traffic, whatever it's going to look like, for 24 weeks. And 24 weeks, the people will be like, oh, my goodness, it's a lifetime, you know? It's interesting also the fact that when you talk to people about schemes, they talk about the three E's, which is engineer, educate and enforce. But are we getting the education bit with the motorist or the traveller of, of whatever sort anywhere near right? Like I say, I think there's some really good examples. That is good to see. And that, that's what you know. we need to find a a means to, to sharing kind of that best practice so that, you know, people, you know, the, well, as an industry, we are, like I say, more consistent in how we communicate. And, and again, it's interesting, you know, because we were talking about this the other week about, is it about education? Do they want to be educated? Or actually, is it about, let's use another E, is it about engagement? And actually, like I say, going back to what we started saying about getting people on side, 
let's get them on side and let's make them part of the solution. Because actually, we want people like me, with the example that I've just given you, to say, actually, I'll find an alternative route. Or I, I don't need to travel that time. Or we'll do more car sharing or, or whatever we can do to kind of help to ease that congestion that comes around from, from you know, roadworks. Um, so I think it is that informing and that engaging and that encouraging users of the networks to, to do something differently and to behave differently is something that we really, you know, yeah, we're really lacking. We've got a long way to go. And we've got so many different tools available to us nowadays. Yeah, we can use social media platforms. Yes, we can do, you know, we can post it on the website. So maybe people will go and have a look at that particular local authority's website. But actually, if you're traveling through, do you know which local authority you're actually in at that moment in time? So there are some scenarios, and I appreciate that there is a cost associated with it, but there are some scenarios where more information needs to be provided there at the point of said incident or set of roadworks or, or plan schemes and works. is something that we just need to do more of. And like I say, you see some areas where they're really doing it you know, quite well and they're providing that information and people are like, okay, I understand now. I understand why that's happening. But I've used this you know, a few times talking to people recently. You're in the industry. You've been in a long time. I'm sure you've had somebody say to you in the last few months, I don't know why they're doing the roadworks at the end of my road now. They've had the entire quiet you know, period of lockdown to do that work. Why didn't they do the work when there were no cars on the road? Well, because actually we were doing work elsewhere. But they don't understand that. And they don't want to understand that because they're only interested in the work that's happening at the end of their road or the work that's happening on their route to work, for example. So if you were working in a local authority and you were about to introduce a major road scheme, for example, give me a checklist of what you would do in order to best get the message to the travelling public. I think fundamentally I'd need to work, you know, we need to work together as an industry. So it's about getting all the right information from the contractors that are going to be delivering the schemes and the consultants that have been involved in designing the schemes and actually really understanding the reasons behind it and making sure that we communicate that why, you know, why we're doing it and the reason behind it. We need to be able to communicate that effectively to people and, and we need to engage them as well. So we need to start with engaging some of the, the people locally so that we get that why right. So rather than sort of going out en masse, I think, we take a small kind of sample, if you like, try it out on them first so that we are making sure that we answer the questions that matter to them. You've got a varying demographics. So you've got your younger people who will happily go and you know, look up things on social media. So you definitely need a social media plan. You've got people who may be older and aren't interested and won't ever to utilize that kind of technology. So we can't kind of lose sight of the importance of it in the direct vicinity of, of the letter drop approach. Getting local media on board, local radio, like you mentioned earlier, and you know the local press to actually get them to cover it in a positive way. Um, and I think that's one of our biggest challenges as an industry, actually, to get the press on side with us and getting it covered in a, in a positive way. And I do believe, especially with big schemes, we know about big schemes way in advance. So actually, we've got the time. I know it's been difficult in the last 12, 18 months to do the kind of community gatherings and, and getting people together in varying kind of you know town halls or village halls or whatever and having somebody there um, to actually be able to talk face to face 
field questions. And I think that the contractors, you know, need to support that as well, because quite often you, know, you, you will get people who will have kind of more technical questions as to why you're utilising a particular material, for example, or why you might be installing particular technology. And, you know, nobody knows that better than the people themselves, you know, the people that have developed it themselves. So I think we have to work together. There are situations, again, going back to the one I just explained, where you're going to get traffic that, and people that are passing through. And we really have to consider those people and how we can best communicate information. And maybe, you know, portable, for, for example, like I said, variable measure signs are not an option because of, of cost. Um, but actually, you know, you can hire these things these days for a period of time. They're becoming fairly commonplace. And, and as we move forward, I think, you know, we also need to consider how technology is changing on that side of things. So, you know, local authorities have to consider what else is out there te technology-wise to help them to communicate the message. We're going to move forward, aren't we, from messaging coming, you know, there's, there's already apps available where you can take information from variable message science into an app, for example, um, or from a central control system into a, an app. Um, and we're going to have that, you know, consideration and needs to consider putting messages into in-car technology as things move forward. So I think it's important that we do kind of that look at all the traditional methods and we don't kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater because we know that there's proven means of communicating. But I also think we need to expand that. Um, so that checklist becomes, you know, do we need temporary messaging at the point of entry into the roadworks, for example, at which point do we start to communicate with the wider community? You know, have we held those community hubs? What kind of feedback have, have we had? Have we answered the why and the, and the kind of, well, what's in it for me at the end of the day? We know that people will complain about something and then you fix it for them. You know, so local authority will put a new scheme in and it's, it's there to help improve safety and traffic flow for example in a particular area and they'll have received loads of complaints in the run-up they'll do the work and they'll have loads of complaints during the work and then it'll be finished and hopefully it does what it was planned to do and it improves safety and it improves traffic flow they won't hear a dicky bird they won't be getting the praise for the work that they've delivered unfortunately sometimes you you must wonder mustn't you well why do we bother you do wonder that, but I think we can bother if we actually follow a few simple, and they are fairly simple, steps. Um, now, if this were a TV chat show, this would be the moment, Helen, where you would plug your book or your new film or something like that. In <laughs> this case, what you've got is a new marketing and PR company called Boundary. You clearly have just demonstrated in the last 15 minutes or so that you know what you're talking about. So tell me about what Boundary Marketing and PR is all about. You know, myself and my business partner, Adrian, have been in the industry for a long time. I started my career in this industry over 25 years ago, although I left it for a period of time seven, eight years, I came back and I do think it's one of those industries that it hooks you in. And once you do get into it, you start to understand it and you do start to understand just how important it is and how it impacts everybody, how important it is to, to the community, to the economy, to, to the environment. And, and I'm very passionate and so is Adrian about, about the industry itself. But it is misunderstood and it isn't great necessarily at promoting itself, as we've said earlier, you know, in, in, as positively as it, as it can. Because I think it's, we're, we're always so busy. We, as an industry, did not stop during lockdown. 
people might have thought that we did, but we didn't. You know, there was there was no stopping. Everybody's trying to work flat out while still trying to keep their people safe and protected. So it's important that as an industry, we do promote what we do more. It takes an understanding of the industry to be able to do that. I genuinely believe that if you have an understanding of the industry and the complexities of it and the different kind of people and organizations and and industry bodies and so on that are involved, then you can help to promote a market what the industry does better and that's for individual organizations but also for the um, industry as a whole so we wanted to yeah create a, a marketing and PR business that was focused on on highways and transport um, and we've both been doing our own thing you know I've been doing sort of my own thing for the last five or so years it just made sense for us to join forces and pool our resources and our ideas and two heads are better than one and all of that we want to try and help individual businesses, like I say, SMEs in particular, to promote themselves more effectively and to engage with the highways and transport industry more effectively, but also to get those stories that hopefully will go outside of the industry as well and to help the industry as a whole to promote itself better. Helen Blood with some really thought-provoking stuff about PR and marketing. It's an area that many in the industry don't really think about. In fact, I do know of engineers who think it's just showing off but it is a key part of business, and let's make sure we get the message out about all the good that we do. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Before we go today, Adrian's back to tip his hat to someone or some people who've done something brilliant in the industry because it's time for Adrian's Accolade. Adrian, who have you picked today? So you mentioned it earlier, Paul, but my accolade this week goes to Eloy. So this is the new system that replicates the information shown on electronic road signs to drivers inside their vehicles, which is being tried in the UK and developed by the innovator group Eloy. The system, which delivers the information onto dashboard screens or mobile devices, follows a collaboration between Eloy, Andy Graham from White Willow Consulting, and George Brown from KLL Systems. This also allows virtual signs that mirror the format the road sign displays to be broadcast anywhere. So this is a really clever invention. We, we talk a lot about communication. We're talking about communication, marketing PR on this week's podcast. But the crux of that conversation was about how we get the information over to the public at the right time. And I think this is certainly a step in the right direction. And it allows the communication between VMS signs, which will be allowed which VMS signs, which will still be needed in the future. But from that more real-time information inside someone's car, as obviously that technology uh, progresses as well. Okay, thanks for that, Adrian. Congratulations to Eloy, to Andy, to George, and everyone else involved in that project for winning Adrian's Accolade this week. And that's it for this week's Highways Voices. Thank you for listening. Hope you picked up some hints and tips from Helen in our main interview. And we'll join you again next week when we'll hear from another leader in the industry, Elkrig's Martin Duffy. Talk to you then. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 